It is Thursday, January 5th, 2023. Welcome to the new year. I hope everybody had just a a fantastic holiday. I know I did. Um, Got to spend some time with, with the fam, which was pretty cool. Hopefully you guys all got a little taste of that as well. So happy holidays to everybody and happy new year. I apologize for not putting out an episode last week. There was a lot going on traveling for the holidays the new year got to go to that awful eagle saints game which sucked in some aspects but was great to be down in south philly again to be at the game with my dad would have just preferred a win and a one seed clinch and an nfc east victory but i guess they're just uh keeping us on the edge of our seats um, this is one of the boys. I am Coley Rudd here with my dog, Harper the Big Girl. Got quite the agenda today. Obviously, first I'll talk about, you know, what everyone in the sports world is talking about right now, and that is just the unfortunate events that took place on Monday night in the Bills-Bengals game with DeMar Hamlin. Tough to process it all. You know, it's Wednesday, 48 hours removed about, and there's still lots of emotions that I think everybody is experiencing, lots of different reactions and and feelings. I'll talk more about that in a bit. Lots of underdogs to go over in the last week. It was a great two weeks for the dog. And then, of course, I'll round that out with my underdog, hungry dog of the week. I'll do a new bowl segment uh, called spin the wheel talk about a bowl game so i'll spin a wheel with every bowl listed on it whichever bowl it lands on is the bowl that i will kind of give you guys a recap and some of my takes on there's i watched a a good bit of them i can't say every single one beginning to end i did catch bits and pieces of a good portion of them there was only a, a handful that i missed uh Then I'll go into my segment about how the college football playoff is back. And my takes and my predictions for if it was a 12-team playoff. Not that it matters, but it was kind of fun to think about. Sad Girl Hours is not happening this week. I just didn't quite know which fan base I wanted to troll the most. Maybe I'll double it up next week. Or no, we'll say this makes up for last Sad Girl Hours because I did two Sat girl hours last time. I believe it was the Raiders and the Colts. So they made up for this time sad girl hours. I will do a new sad girl hours in my next episode, just not today. And then fantasy studs. I'm sorry, fantasy studs is dead for a few reasons. One, I can't even really think about fantasy football. I haven't looked at my fantasy football team in five days. And then obviously the Events that took place on Monday, really, I just did not give a shit about fantasy football. My dryer just went off, cleaning my clothes. Got to do that sometimes. So anyway, fantasy studs is dead. Won't be talking about that. But honestly, like, who really gives a fuck right now? Um, All right. Before I get into my awful intro song that I know you all are so excited about, let's do On This Day in Sports. 
So, on this day in sports, January 5th, in 1957, Dodgers' Jackie Robinson announces his retirement rather than being traded to the New York Giants. I actually really respect that. That's fantastic. Way to go, Jackie. Also on this date in 1989, baseball signs a $400 million deal with ESPN to show 175 games in the 1990 season. $400 million in 1989. I don't even want to know what that would equate to in the, the modern day dollar. There's my dryer again. Reminded me that my clothes are indeed dry. Also on this date in 2007, Bill Cower resigns as the head coach of the Pittsburgh Steelers, opening the door for the Mike Tomlin era. I believe he took over shortly after him. Um, and we're still in that Mike Tomlin era today. Kind of like seeing coaches last a little while. Um, and then also on this date in 2021, the 86th Heisman Trophy Award was awarded to a wide receiver. Yes, not a quarterback. A wide receiver by the name of Devontae Smith out of Alabama who is now slaying in the NFL as a wide receiver for the Philadelphia Eagles. So, Devontae changing the game. Again, I'm Coley Rudd. I'm here with Harper, the big girl. We are so glad you're here. See you on the flip side of my awful intro song. people out there thank you for surviving my intro song we're gonna get right into the goods um gonna kick it off by uh talking about kind of what's what's been the hot topic um in sports for all the wrong reasons unfortunately uh football's obviously been something that's been talked about a lot over the last uh, few, well, few months, but really on, on the news stations as well over the last few days for, again, for all the wrong reasons, unfortunately. Um, so if, if you haven't watched, if you live under a rock and you're not sure what happened, uh, the story is, is actually a lot bigger than football. We're talking about literally, quite literally a human being's life. Um, and like I said, unless you live under a rock, you know what happened. Uh, it was really, really, uh, tough, tough to watch that. It was tough to see the, the players on the sideline 
clearly distraught, clearly shaken up by everything that was unfolding. Um, and after a weekend that was, it was a bizarre, obviously a bizarre event. This doesn't happen hardly ever in football. Maybe happened one other time way before my lifetime. But it does happen, obviously. It happened Monday. And before that, I, after the Eagles game on Sunday, was really frustrated with the Eagles, felt angry with Cowboys fans, and a little bit frustrated with the season, but this kind of really brought into perspective that these players, they're human beings first, first and foremost. This guy was playing for the team that he loves, for the fans that love him, and has a cardiac event on the field after getting, after he, he was the one tackling T. Higgins, a routine tackle. If you've seen the replay, which I do have to say, all of the broadcasting stations have done a great job of not replaying that over and over again. But if you see the replay of it, it's a routine hit. And then the guy just, just collapses. This happens, not the collapsing part, but the hit itself happens a million times. A million times. I mean, maybe not a million times. But in any given game, there are tackles happening. I mean, guys colliding into one another a hundred plus times. And to see that happen, to see the players down on the field, clearly distraught, unsure of what was happening. Hearing the hearing Joe Buck and Troy Aikman talk about how CPR was given down on the field. That was that was a tough one. That was tough to watch. And all I could think about in that moment wasn't the Eagles or the one seed or the NFC East title. It was just hoping and still right now when there's so much that's unknown, it was just hoping and praying that this guy on the field was okay. Because at the time, it really sounded like it wasn't. And based on reports that came out afterwards, no, it really wasn't. This was a cardiac event. A guy's heart literally stopped beating. He stopped breathing down on the football field. And it, I've never, never seen anything like it. You see, you see games where guys suffer these big injuries. At the game I was at on Sunday, Josh Sweat goes down. They put him on a backboard. It looks like some kind of awful spinal injury. But you see his hands moving. He's, they're not giving him CPR. And as someone, I'm, I'm actually a CPR instructor in my day, part of my day job. And I know that when it's time to use CPR, that is a, that is a last resort to save somebody's life. CPR is actually super damaging to someone's body, which is why it is a last resort, because when you perform CPR, you're actually damaging 
the person's body. You're probably cracking some ribs. They're going to have some bruising probably. It's not really, it's not something you want to do unless you absolutely have to. And that kind of speaks to the severity of what was going on is that it was to a point where a life-saving measure had to be performed to keep this guy alive on the football field. And quite literally, he was dead for however long until they could defibrillate him and bring his heart rhythm back. I mean, absolutely insane. It's, it's really never something you want to see, especially on such a stage like that where millions of people are watching and, and, and this happens. I can't even, I can't, I can't even really wrap my head around everything that's going on. Um, I spent, God, it felt like hours that night just refreshing my Twitter timeline and trying to see if there was any news and you know, people suck, so I spent a lot of time trying to decipher if it was real news or if it was fake news or if the person tweeting that he was in critical condition was a, was a reliable source. There wasn't a whole lot that really came out. Um, I guess it was until the bills released that he was in the ICU and in critical condition. And I actually had to remove myself from that, from from that, from just scrolling Twitter, just watching ESPN, because I was so exa- mentally almost exhausted from it, because I just, I just wanted to know what the hell happened. I was in such shell shock, and then all I could think about was his poor mother was sitting in the stands and had to witness that whole thing. I, I was sick. I was sick, so I, I did. I had to create a. a a literal boundary between me and the story overnight so that I could sleep. Um, and then, of course, woke up and was, was pretty much just, just right right at it again. But it was, it was insane. And I, I'm just wishing the best for him at this point. I don't know what that looks like. There's still, I just feel like every you know, hour or so, I'm just scrolling my Twitter feed to see if there's any new information. You can't trust anyone on Twitter these days. They're saying one guy's his marketing rap, and but then there's people saying other oh, stupid shit. And I'm like, how do you, do you even know Demar or, or what? Um, so the internet, you kind of saw the best and the worst of the internet, and are still seeing the best and the worst of the internet over this. Uh, there was, you know, the the witch hunts going on where they're trying to call out people for saying the wrong things. But then on the flip side, it was also used to elevate. Um, awareness for his charity, the Chasing M's Foundation, a toy drive, I believe, I, I don't quote me on this, but I believe at this point has raised more than $5 million just because it's been something that's been shared across all social platforms and people have been donating to it in his honor, which is awesome. I mean, that's the beauty of this, of the internet is, is being able to use it for something like that. Um, also a great way to just let the Buffalo Bills community know that the world's thinking about them, to let DeMar's family know that the world is thinking of him, 
not just the Bills, not just the Bengals, but everybody, quite literally everybody, even if you're not a football fan, there's people thinking of this guy day in and day out. And I'm re- like I said, I'm I'm really just wishing the best at this point. I hope I hope to I hope we get some good news. We've heard that things are looking better and that he's showing signs of progress, but we don't know exactly what that is. So I'm, I'm hoping we get some. You know, it's I've waited to record Wednesday night. I was hoping by the time I did this, there'd be some news, but unfortunately, at this point. I don't have anything else other than what was reported, I guess, earlier today by the Bills, who basically just confirmed what what we already knew. Um, yeah, um, and then, of course, the the ugly side of the Internet is just people slandering different people for having different opinions, saying different things. People coming at T. Higgins, that's hideous, that's terrible. It was, first off, DeMar was the one tackling him. Um, T. Higgins didn't want, like, did nothing, couldn't have done anything different to prevent this from happening. It is not his fault. So all you fuckers out there that are blaming T. Higgins, you're just, you're an ugly person, flat out. My thoughts are with T. as well because I can, I can only imagine how awful he's feeling right now. I would never want that situation for anybody either because... Even though it wasn't his fault, I'm sure he probably feels the weight of the world on his shoulders and such a burden. And that that's a shame. That is a shame. That I do actually feel bad for. Really bad for. Um, and then people slandering the NFL for how they handled the situation. I, I think the critics, the couch critics, I'm going to call them. So, the people that sit on their couch and watch all of this unfold without actually having to be in that situation and make a decision, I think they have a lot to say about everything that went on during that game. Um... So just a just a timeline. Joe Buck, shortly after DeMar was removed from the field, Joe Buck made a statement that they were going to warm up for five minutes and then resume play. Uh, I would like to believe that Joe didn't just make that up. I'm sure someone tipped him off that that was going to happen. And I'm sure under there's there's some type of protocol that the officials enforce that when there is a an injury to that caliber, well, maybe not to that caliber because we haven't seen that, but an injury that requires someone to be carted off where the player stays down for that extended period of time, that there probably is something in the rules and regulations that basically uh, the teams get a five-minute warm-up period and then resume. Okay, so... This is, again, I don't, no one actually knows what happened. This is just my take on what I believe happened. So the officials uh, were going to go by that rule or whatever it is. That, I, that might not even be a rule. I'm just thinking that this is probably what protocol is that officials are told to enforce. If something, if an injury lasts for this magnitude. Not even saying the extent of it, just like, 
if it takes 10 minutes to get a guy on a backboard, give him a five-minute warm-up period, resume play. So I'm sure these officials were just following protocol, tipped off to Joe Buck, hey, this is what's going to happen. And then, of course, the world's watching the ESPN broadcast, hear that they're going to warm up for five minutes. They show flashes of Joe Burrow warming up on the sideline. So it does look like for a second that they are going to play. And everyone's like, what the fuck? Like, are these guys actually going to play? And I don't think the officials, I'm not, I'm not saying this is their fault. They're doing what they're probably told to do. I'm not saying the officials are heartless per se, but I think maybe it would have been appropriate for them to take a step back and say, hey, like, this is, this is unique. We haven't seen this. Let's maybe talk with the league or whatever and reevaluate. Now, now, again, nobody knows exactly what happened. Nobody knows what words were exchanged. All we know is Joe Buck came out and said that, five-minute warm-up, and then they were going to resume. Next thing you know, the coaches are gathering, they're communicating, and the players exit. They don't come back out again. Okay? Um, so, again, probably some protocol after, after an injury that the player stops play for, the injury stops play for 10 plus minutes or whatever, you get a five minute warm up period and resume. Um, so that's tipped off to Joe Buck. Joe Buck tells the world that's what's happening. And people are in mass hysteria saying the NFL is fucked up for expecting these players to play. Um, the NFL, people are going to be blind to this, but Troy Vincent, NFL senior or something or other, basically came out and said he was, a, he was frustrated that Joe, Buck, that Joe Buck said that. Again, Joe Buck didn't make that up. I'm, I'm, I'm fairly certain of it. I don't know Joe Buck, but I'm just thinking like a logical person who's just, who's just calling the game. He's calling the things that are going down on the field. He's not the one making the decisions. So he's just trying to let the people know what's going on. He t- he, someone tips off to him, hey, five minutes, warm up, and then they'll resume, whatever. So then that's what America thinks, okay? And the NFL came out and said that wasn't a decision that the league made. Uh, it was, And I believe it was the officials that were just – I truly believe it was the officials that were like, hey, here's the protocol, here's what we're going to do. And then once everyone kind of took a step back and kind of evaluated what just happened, decided not to play. Um, I do not blame the league. I do not think this five-minute warm-up thing was, was the NFL's fault. Um, and people are, like, on the Internet saying, like, well, why did it take 90 minutes, whatever, to cancel it? I don't know if people quite understand the magnitude of just the logistics of making a decision like that. So the decision might have made, you know, they said 90 minutes after, whatever. The decision might have been made five minutes after he went down. We don't know. We won't know. The logistics of, one, getting DeMar off the field to the hospital, getting his mom in the ambulance, taking her there. Okay, that's one thing you have to factor in. Two, you have a team of distraught players who are clearly upset. 
can't literally probably focus on anything other than what just happened, okay? You have to get them off the field. Three, you have a stadium full of however many people they can fit in that stadium that need to exit now. Um, four, how are we going to communicate this out to everybody? Who Who's going to be responsible for doing that? I mean, it's not like you can just make this decision, snap your fingers, and that's that things move on. Um, and I actually think I read something that said they purposely waited to tell people that it was canceled for the simple fact that the ambulance that DeMar was on wasn't fighting with traffic from the spectators who were now leaving because the game was canceled. So I think it's a little bit ignorant for people to say that the NFL doesn't have player safety at the forefront, that the NFL wanted them to resume play, that the NFL doesn't give a shit. I think, like I said, the couch critics, it's really easy for us from a couch to say this is what you should have done. But we obviously don't know all of the logistical things that go into making that decision. And it sounds like one of the biggest point, the biggest factors in making that decision was making sure the ambulance could get to the hospital faster than it would have if the crowd had already been leaving. So, again, NFL haters, you might have a completely different take on this than me. Whatever, so be it. I just am trying to think of this from a logical perspective. If the NFL said, hey, Bills, Bengals, go out and play, or we're going to resume this game Wednesday, I'm with you. That's fucked up. That's wrong. I don't know how you can expect this guy's teammates to come out and play after everything that just went down. But they did it. They, they postponed the game that night. They essentially voided it the next day. No one really knows what's going to happen now, nor do I really care at this point in time. I just, you just ultimately want to get some, some good news about this young man. Um, and, and, and here we are. So, knee-jerk reaction. I get why people feel that way. But please think of this from a logical perspective. The NFL's not paying me. I just, I think it's really hard for anyone sitting on their couch to know what truly goes into that. We were in, they were in uncharted waters. We, we've never seen anything like this. I think they handled it appropriately and are continuing to handle it appropriately. We will obviously see what happens over the next few days and what will go on heading into to week 18. want to circle it back, though, to, the, to really what matters here, and that is the health of, of DeMar Hamlin. Um. You know, not a super religious gal, um, but I, 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 you know, thoughts and prayers are obviously with Damar and his family. It's, it's got to be an awful, awful time for them right now to just, just hope and, and, and pray and, and just be desperate for that good news. Um, so I'm really hoping we get something good. In the next couple of days, um, but yeah, thoughts and prayers. Thoughts and prayers are 
or with DeMar Hamlin and family, the Buffalo Bills organization, and everybody who has been impacted by this situation. Okay, I'm going to try to move on. Um, it was obviously a heavy topic. Um, all right, underdog, hungry dog of the week. So there was a lot that went on over the last two weeks. Um, la, la, la. Lots of NBA upsets. It was, was kind of cool. I'm going to give you a fun stat in a second. I'm trying to point out some good ones. On Monday, December 19th, the Charlotte Hornets beat the Sacramento Kings in Sacramento. Sacramento was a uh, 10-point favorites there, and the, and the Hornets overcame it. They were, they were some dogs. It's a big dog win. What else is good here? Oh, I love this one. On Wednesday, December 21st, the Indiana Pacers overcame the Boston Celtics. Pacers are looking oddly pretty good. I don't know if anyone expected that. A few games over 500. I'm going to get into basketball here in a few weeks, I promise. I'll, I'll re reshift. Um, but they beat the Celtics. Celtics were nine-point favorites. It was in Boston. Got to love it. Love to see that. Thursday was a dead day. There was no dog wins in the league on Thursday, December 22nd, probably because there was only two games, but whatever. Uh, overall, let's see, in the NBA, over the last two weeks, the dog was victorious 42.9% of the time. That is a... I think that's a that's a that's a NBA record high since one of the boys has existed. Granted, that was over a two week period, but whatever. NHL throws that off. NHL wasn't as fun. Let's see. In the NHL, the dog over the last two weeks won thirty three out of eighty nine games for a grand success rate of thirty seven percent. And then in the NFL. Let's see, there was two weeks, 31 games. Nine of them were won by the dog. I'm trying to figure out what the best one was. I mean, like, statistically-wise, as far as the spread goes, it was the Saints over the Eagles, but, like, I'm not happy about that. So I'm not really going to talk about it. But the dog was uh, successful 29% of the time. Woof, woof. And then college bowls. Oh, man, 41 bowl games. It was a blast watching. Well, I guess it depends on how you define blast. I liked watching. I did not bet well. I did not make good picks, apparently. I, uh, you shouldn't take my gambling advice, not until I have a proven track record. But since one of the employees' inception, my track record has been terrible. Thankfully, again, I live in a state where it's not legal to do that, so I can only do it sometimes as a treat. So I'm not too far in the hole. And I won't dig myself any deeper. Uh, but the success rate of the doll was 34% in college bowl games. That was, that was pretty cool. I actually anticipated it to be a little bit higher just because, well, college football is college football and it's fun. Overall for sports, it was actually a fantastic holiday season for the dog. So we're looking at 259 games played total. 98 of them were won by the dog. We're looking at a 37.8% dog rate, dog win rate. So don't need to say much else there. It's it's That's a great stat for the dog. We love the dog on this podcast. Woof, woof, woof. 
However, just like every week, there can only be one underdog hungry dog of the week. As Jason Kelsey once said, when I don't eat breakfast, I'm fucking pissed off. This team did not eat eat breakfast. They were fucking pissed off. They were hungry. They wanted blood, ladies and gentlemen. I am pleased to present to you the first underdog hunger dog of 2023 is TCU Hypnotoads rejoice baby you are on top just about one one more to win and you truly are on top like nothing else can beat you. Well, if you win on Monday. Um, TCU Horn Frogs. Uh, if you don't know what the hypnotoad is, it's some trippy toad thing that like people put on signs at TCU games. It's all over social media. Just Google TCU hypnotoad. It'll it'll come right up. It's a freaky looking thing, but. Uh, it slaughtered them Wolverines. Them Wolverines didn't know what to do with no hypnotoads. Um, and I, I will admit, first and foremost, I was an absolute doubter of the TCU Horn Frogs. I'll admit it. I didn't believe in them. Um, not because I, I didn't think they were good. I just thought Michigan was better. But J.J. McCarthy happened on Saturday afternoon. And, well... The rest is history. Um, and, and nobody in the world really thought TCU had a chance. I went heavy on Michigan. Michigan spread. It was eight and a half points, I think, when I bet it. I wish I wouldn't have. I would like to have flipped my bet the other way, but that's what everyone says when they gamble poorly. Um, gosh, I mean, right from, from – I would say – you know, pinpoint the turning point. But the turning point felt like the first drive of the game when Michigan fails at running the Philly special. So it's fourth and goal. Um, Jim Harbaugh, sorry, not sorry. You're not Doug Peterson. J.J. McCarthy, sorry, definitely not sorry. You are you are nowhere near Nick Foles, okay? So what makes you think you could run a successful Philly special in the college football playoff semifinal on fourth and goal? Okay. I don't think you understand. Philly was the first to do that, right, in that high-pressure situation, fourth and, fourth and goal on the one-yard line in the Super Bowl, which makes every other defense out there who's ever put in that situation skeptical that they may run that play. The beauty of the Philly special is that no one knew it was coming because something like that had never been done before, okay? Quite literally, that play set defenses up for success because they can say, hey, watch the quarterback, watch the whatever. If he comes out here, you know, they might be doing some of this funny business. So why? Why are you running that play in hindsight, right? What did Michigan lose by? 
three points. Three points, ladies and gentlemen. So if Harbaugh kicks a field goal, right, decides to kick a field goal, absolute chip shot, you're literally on, like, the one or two-yard line. In theory, would our score have been, been tied? Could we have seen some college football playoff semifinal overtime? <gasps> wow. But no. You know what we saw instead? A Michigan L. Oh, it is music to my ears. Music to my ears. I mean, God. Michigan and Ohio State both lost. God, it's 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 gorgeous. It's 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 gorgeous. What could what could be better? Um and uh yeah, sorry not sorry. That really that that failed Philly special. We'll call that the Michigan mess. Yeah, the Michigan mess. Um it failed. And and that truly was the turning point on on, on the very first drive of the game because TCU really really never looked back. They did get the ball after that, didn't do shit with it. And then on Michigan's next possession, do you know what happens? Did you watch the game? Oh, 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 oh. And I'm just, I'm just talking to, to my mind what I think you listeners are, are thinking as I say this. J.J. McCarthy, pick six. Boom. TCU goes up 7 nothing. Quite literally never looks back. Um, it did feel like throughout the whole thing that Michigan was just trying to crawl itself back in. And I was like, this is going to be classic TCU, Big 12 team, comes in, runs up an early lead, and then Michigan is just going to absolutely insert its dominance, show them who's boss, like the Big Ten's boss, crawl themselves back into it, come out on top. But that didn't happen. Georgia did it. Georgia did it to Ohio State. They crawled themselves the hill back in and came out on top. Great game there, too. But Michigan was was unable. TCU always had an answer. Um, and then, oh, shit, I lost my spot in my notes. Where was I? Oh, uh, yeah, so it was a, a non-targeting call that essentially ends the game. I don't know if anyone's seen the play. Honestly, at first glance, I did think it was targeting, like, when I watched it. Um... I truly think it could have gone either way. I think if you do watch the replay in slow-mo, I don't even know who the guy was, but he does lower his shoulder uh, into the guy, into the receiver. Um, Like, he's leading with the shoulder. I do just think it just happens sometimes where the helmets do collide as a result of, of just the tackle. But I don't think by any means he was forcefully leading, intending to hit this guy with his head. I do think it was mostly a shoulder hit. Um, and you also, like, you don't want that to be the, the thing that decides the game. You want it to be Jim Harbaugh's dumb decision in the first quarter. That's what that's what should decide the game, not a targeting call, right? Like, blame it on dumb Jim. That's that's what I'm doing. Um, and then, of course, the Michigan fans are crying, boo-hoo. They show that clip that I think I've watched a million times of, like, a Michigan fan. He's saying, like, are you fucking kidding me or something like that. I don't know. But, like. There's basically tears coming down his face, um, and and you know I'm I am very joyful, very joyful when I see that. Um, a few takes from this game after watching it, watched just about the entire thing. Um, 
I stand by what I say about Max Duggan. He is a D-O-double-G. Okay? Just going to throw this out there. According to Mel Kuyper Jr.'s draft board, he is the 10th best quarterback in the 2023 NFL draft behind guys like Jaron Hall of BYU, Jake Hayner from Fresno State. Okay. They're all ahead of him in the rankings. You know, these, what I, I mean, ultimately, these rankings don't mean anything. What really matters is when they're picked. But that's just the preview. That's what that's what the experts are saying, is that these quarterbacks are better than Max Duggan. Uh, I honestly think this is a little bit disrespectful. TCU Max Duggan supporters, I, if I were you, I'd, I'd be mad as hell. I'd be mad as hell. Um, I, I am not an NFL GM. Whatever. I'm just some couch critic. Um, God, I'm using the awful word I used on the other idiots on the internet later on myself. Earlier on myself, um, I'm I'm just a couch critic, just just an average fan of the sport who does this lame podcast that like four people listen to. Um, I've always just been in the mindset that you want a guy leading your team that has played in in primetime games under the lights, um, because every single game in the NFL is like that. Now there are some exceptions. There's definitely some exceptions. Uh, Josh Allen out of Wyoming. You know, he, he played at Wyoming. Played in the Mountain West or whatever conference they're in, championship game, and, and lost. I mean, and that's nothing compared to the college football playoff. So he never played in primetime limelight games like, uh, like, like these. And he's obviously an incredible quarterback. But I just truly believe... You want that guy with ice in his veins. Ice. I-C-E in his veins. Whoever's got it, that's who you want. Max Dugan's got it. NFL GM's out there. If you're going to take my advice ever, draft this guy. Okay? And Eagles, Philadelphia Eagles. Hey, Howie Roseman, I'm, I'm not talking to you. Do, I don't want you to draft him. Not that I wouldn't want him, but we have Jalen Hurts. We do not need any other crazy, weird quarterback controversy going on, okay? And if you're going to draft him, put him on the bench and make it clear he's the backup, okay? But any other NFL team out there, if you need a quarterback, hey, Texans. I mean, you guys got first overall, so anyone you want can be yours. And Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud did look good this past week. But besides the point. If you're getting to those lower lower pick teams that need quarterbacks, the Raiders. Ooh, who else needs a quarterback? The Panthers. Although Sam Darnold has been fire. I'd take Max Duggan over Will Levis. Will Levis? Predicted, projected to be better than Bryce Young? What? No, I'd take Max Duggan over Will Levis. Not the expert, just some nerd making comments. Anyway, guy's got ice in his veins. Draft him. Um, he didn't even have a great game, to be honest. His stat line was terrible. I don't, I don't have it. But he made some incredible plays when it mattered. And and the dude has ice. He's got the ice in his veins. It's, it's flowing through. If you get him with a coach like Sean McVay, 
that might be a great spot for him to go, actually, is the Rams, depending on what they do with Baker and what happens with Matt Stafford. You get him with someone like Sean McVay, won't, he won't end up with Kyle Shanahan. That's just not going to happen. He's not going to end up with Doug Peterson or Andy Reba. If you, or what about the Patriots? Max Duggan to the Patriots with Bill Belichick? I mean, there are some NFL coaches who could take what this guy has and really make him a, a stud. I'm convinced. Anyway. Um, also want to shout out that the TCU offensive line might be the best in the country. Draft board doesn't say it, but, like, he had all kinds of time back there all day do whatever he wanted. Um, the lone highlight for Michigan, um, if you want one, uh, was the 59-yard field goal by your kicker. It was the longest in, in Michigan history. So, woohoo! Congrats. Um, Quentin Johnson, he is fast. He is number two wide receiver on the board, and rightfully so. He, he got into open space on that one play. It was one of those touchdowns that really, like, when he scored, it was one of those moments where it was like, oh, shit, like, um, TCU's not getting lucky. They're good. Um, he is fast. He gets into open space and just goes. He, uh, he kind of has Tyree kill speed. So I, I looked it up because I was curious. Quentin Johnson runs a 4-4-40. Say that five times fast. Tyree Hill... Ran a four two forty, so he's not four two nine forty, so he's not quite as fast, but he's six four two hundred fifteen pounds, and he can make one on one contested catches, and he's fast, like fast as fuck. So like he can make the one on one catches like a Devonte Adams, and he's big, and then he he can run like really freaking fast. I know TCU receivers haven't exactly gotten the best rep uh, over the last last couple years, mostly because of Jalen Rager and the Eagles. But this guy is is different. He's someone you want on on your on your team. Um, TCU, you guys are well deserving of the underdog, hungry dog. I'm gonna mail you my invisible trophy. I would not sleep on this team. Uh, they are currently 12 and a half dogs to Georgia. Woof. Fucking woof. Do not sleep on these guys like I did already. I'm not sleeping on them this time. I'm not watching the game somewhere I can bet. If I could, I would bet TCU. Okay? I might even go. I would be as risky to go TCU money line. I really would. If you're out there and want to listen to me, go for it. My dad's probably going to listen to this and want to do it. I mean, dad, choose wisely. But that's what I would do if I had a lot of money to gamble, I guess. I don't know. Um, yeah, again, spread tells you Georgia's a heavy favorite. But I think TCU is, is going to make this a great game. Okay? Ohio State-Georgia game was, was awesome as well. The, the college football playoff, it, it, it's back. It is. This year it was everything we hoped and prayed it would be, and it just hasn't been until this year. Um, so a lot, there have been so many blowout games in the college football playoff since its inception. Um, since it began, 
back in the 2014 to 2015 season. There have been 18 semifinal games that have been played. Of those 18 semifinal games, 13 of them have been decided by 10 or more points. Basically, they were not exciting at all. I guess unless you were a fan of the team that was blowing out the other team. Um, but that's not what, like, the average fan wants to watch. Uh, some of them were just complete shit stompings. Like, in 2015, Alabama destroyed Michigan State 38 to nothing in the college football playoff. It's supposed to be the top four teams. I don't know if that speaks more about how Michigan State shouldn't have been in it or just how fucking good that Alabama team was. Maybe a little bit of both. Um, so we have one more year with the four-team playoff. And then we head into the first year with our 12-team bracket. Um, I... I'm excited about the 12-team bracket from the perspective of a Penn State fan because, obviously, this gives us a better chance at, at, at playing in it. Um, so, you know, you got a spot, you got a chance. Anyone knows that. Um, however, I, I think this is actually going to lead to more blowouts in the playoffs, and, and I'll tell you why. Um, some of these matchups are just a little bit lopsided. So I'll explain more in a second. Um, so before I get into this, it's important to point out that the 12 team college football playoff will not go by a system where the top 12 ranked teams are in. Basically, what will happen is the six highest-ranked conference champions will be the will be automatic qualifiers. So, if you are Clemson and you're the ACC winner, but you're in the fifteenth spot, but you're this you know the fifth highest-ranked conference champion, you're in. So, I like that because it it's obviously incentivizing the conference championships. Plus it gives teams like a, like a two lane would have gotten in this year, which is pretty exciting. Um, as long as I'm understanding this right, which I, I believe I am, I believe, you know, the article that I read was, was pretty straightforward. Um, so if, if we do the playoff, so I kind of did this stupidly. I, ju I just, I set this up as just the top 12 teams when I should have incorporated the conference champion, but whatever. Um, so if the top 12 teams were in the playoff this year, here, here's what we would be looking at. Um, so the four that just played this past weekend, so you're looking at Georgia, Michigan, TCU, Ohio State. They'd all have a bye. Sorry, my phone keeps going off. I'm just putting it on silent. Um, so they would all have a bye. They would not have played. Then the number five seed, would host, yep, a home football playoff, a home playoff game, a home college football playoff game. Um, they would host Washington. I think Alabama would just curb stomp Washington. So blowout number one. Um, so 
Then Tennessee number six would host Penn State. I love this matchup. Maybe my, my bias is going to show here a little bit. I don't really care. I think this would be a close game, but I actually think Penn State's defense is, is was phenomenal. I mean, again, this is all in theory. This didn't actually happen. So we're saying this year's Tennessee versus this year's Penn State. Um, Penn State's defense would have definitely been able to hold Tennessee's offense without Hendon Hooker. Um, I, I think they would have held them to a reasonable amount of points. So Clemson gave up 31 points to them. I actually think Penn State's defense is a little bit better. Um, and they, the, the offense, if Sean Clifford's having a good day, Sean Clifford would, would go off on these sons of bitches because Tennessee's defense is not very good. I think Penn State wins that. I think they win that. Um, Clemson would host USC. Uh, I really don't know what would happen here. I'm really not sure if Clemson's offense could go toe-for-toe with Caleb Williams and USC. So I think USC would have won that. Um, And then Utah would host Kansas State. Based off of what I saw this past weekend, Utah would come out on top as long as Cam Rising stayed healthy. Um, and, and based on them having home field advantage, Kansas State's inability to, to produce points was, was evident this past weekend. So I think Utah would win that. So those happen. Home football playoff games. The only thing that kind of sucks is, like, if you're a top four seed – I mean, yes, you get the first round by, but you don't get to host a home playoff game. Like, almost advantage those the five through eight seeds who get to do that. Because like that is that is awesome. Like that those four first four, five through eight seeds are like those games are gonna be I mean, I think of like a home college football game in Happy Valley. Like, that, a whiteout for a college football playoff game? Oh, my God. My head would pop off. Um, so, disadvantage, but not really to those top four teams because you get, you know, the automatic to the second round. Um, let's see. All right, so picked all those. Um, am I really about to make my picks all the way through? Yeah, why the fuck not? Um, okay, so after that, all that round happened, assuming my picks that I stated happened, you'd find yourself in a situation where Georgia, would, the one seed, would face the lowest seed, which would be Penn State. That scares me. I don't really want to know. I, I, mean, I mean, Penn State might have hung in with Georgia. Who knows? Um, Michigan, the two, say, two seed, would host USC, who was the 10 seed. TCU would have Utah. And then Ohio State would have Alabama. Holy shit. Um, I think Georgia, I do think Georgia would beat Penn State. I think Michigan, well, it depends on which version of Michigan shows up, but I do think they'd beat USC, TCU. I am all in on TCU. They would handle Utah. Um, and then Alabama would, quote, upset, quote, Ohio State. Not really an upset on paper, but because they're the lower seed, beating the higher seed, they would upset Ohio State. Um, Okay. Let's see. What does that leave us? Oh, Jesus. I regret doing this now. I regret this. I regret making these picks all the way through, if you're even still following anything I've been saying. Um, All I've done is come to the same conclusion as what we had this year, except it's even worse. Well, I don't know. Depends on how you look at it. It feels worse-ish. feels just as bad, let's say that. 
as the playoff this year, except Alabama would be in the semifinals instead of Ohio State. So I'm I'm gonna stop here because I don't want to I don't want to predict I don't want to predict the semifinals I shouldn't have to. Um, all things considered, though, this is fun to think about. Um, and then if you look at uh, if you look at like what was I saying? Yeah. So like I I think I know what I just said didn't really support that there would be more blowout games, but. I do feel like there would be more blowout games um, because there's there's just more games to be played. But I also think this is the best chance to really, truly identify who your top four teams are. Um, if the top six highest-ranked conference champions were to play, that would mean TCU... Michigan, Georgia, right? Utah won the Pac-12. Clemson won the ACC. And Tulane won the whatever hell conference they're in. I don't remember. They would all be automatically in. So this is, I already know this is going to stir up some controversy. And I'll tell you why. Uh, Clemson does not have to work very hard to win the ACC. The ACC is not good, and Clemson's just been that that powerhouse for so long. I don't really see any other program as a threat to Clemson in the next few years. As long as Clemson stays relevant, they're going to get that automatic in as long as they win the conference. People are going to be pissed. And then if Clemson's smart, they just, like, hustle the shit out of everybody, right? So they make them think they're good, not great. Do just enough to win the ACC as, like, one of these mid-seeds host a home playoff game in Death Valley and then just womp the shit out of them, right? Play on a neutral location against a team like Michigan. Go balls to the wall because they've been able to rest all season. Oh, this is going to be... Get get your popcorn, boys and girls, in 2024. Yeah, we got to wait that long. The... Start up. It's the 2024 to 25 season. So I'm literally just going on about something theoretical right now. Wow, I went I went down a rabbit hole, didn't I? But it, it is really, really fun to think about. We got to get through one more year. One more year of the 4-14 four, playoff, and then we can move on to, to the fun stuff. Um, but Natty, Monday the 9th. Michigan, not Michigan, <laughs> not Ohio State, <laughs> TCU, Georgia. Don't count, don't count the hypnotoad out, baby. Don't count them out. All right. Wow, I can talk for a lot of time about that, can I? We're already an hour into this bad boy. Okay, uh, Wheel of Bowls. Wheel of Bowls. It's like Wheel of Fortune, but with college bowls. And I'm, I'm just going to spin this thing. Um, I haven't figured out sound effects yet, so, yep, sound effects will be done by yours truly. I'm sure there's a way I can insert them on some cool soundboard, but I'm, let's face it, I'm just using, I'm actually using new equipment. I got a cool little podcast set for Christmas or Hanukkah, whatever the hell I celebrate. Um, and I got this, like, uh, audio transfer thing. I don't know. That's what the mic plugs into that plugs into the computer. 
So I'm, I'm still testing it out. I'm finding that uh, when I play my audio back, it's not quite as loud as I would like. So just trying to, to figure out the kinks. Um, if any any of you listeners out there have uh, some suggestions, DM DM the Twitter, O-O-T Boys Pod. Um, all right, Wheel of Bowls, here we go. I'm going to spin this thing. It's got all 41. No, it doesn't have all 41 bowl games. It only has 39 bowl games because I'm not, I did not put the playoff games in there. I already talked about one. If you want to know what happened in the, in the second one, literally just turn on any sports channel. Well, I was going to say it's all they're talking about, but with this awful tragedy on Monday Night Football, it's really not all they're talking about. But it's not that hard to find out what happened. There's plenty of articles, etc. Probably not quite as many articles about the fucking Iowa and Kentucky game. Okay, and I'll tell you why. Because it was the worst bowl game I have ever seen in my entire life. Kentucky still hasn't gotten a first down, and it is Monday, January 4th. Okay? Um, that was dirty kitty litter that hasn't been scooped in three months. Okay? That, that's what that game was the equivalent of. Anyway, you're not going to find a lot of content on that. Whatever. I mean, you'll find YouTube videos and articles and stupid shit, and maybe, like, I was hyped because they won a bowl game because their defense scored two touchdowns. And... Kentucky's quarterback didn't play, but that was, that was doo-doo. That was doo-doo, kitty litter, um, every gross word you can think of. That's what that bowl game was. So let's hope this wheel doesn't land on that because I have already given you in just the last two minutes, I've already given you everything I would say about that game because it was terrible. All right, but let's go. Let's spin this wheel. Let's see. Oh, it's spinning. Slowing down. Spin number one. Ah, okay, here we go. My wheel of bowls landed on the SRS distribution Las Vegas Bowl between Florida and Oregon State. Uh, okay, wow. This is this is probably the Second worst option I could have gotten behind the Iowa and Kentucky game. But that's fine. The wheel has spoken. They want me to speak to my listeners about this god-awful game. Okay. Um, This game was played at Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas, Nevada. That's why it's called the Las Vegas Bowl. The Again, the final score, Oregon State 30, Florida 3. What the hell is going on with Florida? Um, well, I'll tell you what's going on with Florida. Uh, spread was seven and a half points in favor of Oregon State, probably because Florida wasn't great this year and they had their quarterback sit out, opt out because he's not, or because he wants to enter the NFL draft. I feel like every quarterback feels like they have a chance these days, but whatever. True life, not mine. Um, this was, this was a stupid game. Um, God, I don't even have anything exciting to say about this other than Trevor Etienne, uh, the running back for the Florida Gators, is actually the brother of Jag, the Jaguars running back, Travis Etienne. thought that was cool. Um, there was, like, cl- quite literally nothing fun about this game. This sucks. All right, Wheel, I know you're testing me. 
Um, there was the blocked field goal. That's something to be talked about. Florida, Florida actually blocked a field goal, which you would think would be a could potentially be a, a turning point. It wasn't. Um, the Oregon State kicker actually makes the worst tackle attempt I've ever seen on the guy that's running the blocked kickback. Um, he tries. He literally just like takes his arms and like shoves him like you see like two five-year-olds shove each other sometimes on the playground where like the kid like barely moves but makes a big deal like that hurt but like it was it was the weakest push ever um bro you're 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 a kicker man you're a kicker use your legs to tackle him okay put your body into it you you don't got that upper body strength. you don't you don't kick with your arms you're the skinniest guy on the team. You ain't ever going to tackle nobody with just an arm tackle. God, I can't believe this is what I'm talking about from that game. It just shows you how bad it was. Um, that guy who who returned the blocked uh, field goal, he obviously didn't score. He didn't score a touchdown because Florida didn't score any touchdowns in this game. Um, and then, uh, you know, this, this was just really ugly from the get-go. Hard to win a game when your quarterback's not in. Um... And I, I want to know if anyone knows how or, like, can speak firsthand to this. Like, how do players feel about their teammates sitting out bowl games? Uh, there, there's, I guess there's pros and cons to it, right? Um, it's really cool because it's giving, giving players who might not play in that game otherwise an opportunity to play. Okay? That's cool. It's always fun to see a story of a guy who hasn't literally who's played maybe three snaps all year come in and just don't, like play like they've been playing for years. I think um, Pitt had that. Maybe I don't know Pitt. I know they had a lot of guys that opted out and they still won to a ranked UCLA. Um, so like that's kind of cool. Like those stories are fun, rare but fun. Um, and then on the other hand, like in this Oregon State-Florida game, like without your starting quarterback, it makes this game super challenging for everybody else without your biggest playmaker. Like your receivers, like probably aren't having fun because they don't have the guy that normally throws them the ball, throwing the ball to them. They didn't score any touchdowns. Like that's not fucking fun. Um, so I kind of feel like these guys that are opting out, they're just like okay with their teammates being – steamrolled and just like being whomped on because you wanted to sit your ass on the on the game so you can be drafted by like the Houston Texans to be a backup quarterback that was just like the Texans probably aren't going to draft this guy they're going to draft someone like Bryce Young probably but I just mean like you're like Anthony what the hell's his name Anthony Richardson like you're you're literally I mean you're going to make millions of dollars don't get me wrong Whatever, maybe not millions, but you're gonna make a lot of money to be a backup quarterback. But like, is that? I don't know. To me, it's just not worth. Like, you're still like, unless you have some devastating injury, like you're still someone's gonna get you. Someone's. If anything, it's like, oh look, I'm playing against a, a good team and I can still play well. Am I the only one that sees it that way? I don't know. Um. Anyway, back to this horrid game. Uh, Florida actually didn't score any points until there was 37 seconds left in the fourth quarter. Okay. Um, they kicked a field goal. Yep, they were down 30 to nothing with 37 seconds left and elected to kick a field goal. Okay. 
Um, why? Okay. Billy Napier, are, are you just des- that desperate not to get shut out? Uh, you have your freshman quarterback, who really hasn't played much all year, and your freshman running back. Like, why not? Like, this is a really good opportunity for them, for them to get some situational football reps in, like real-time, real game, real speed reps. And your fucking pride is so boastful that you don't want to give those guys a chance and instead would rather just kick three points so you can say you didn't shut out, get shut out? What, what the hell? I'd have so much more respect. I'd have so many better things to say about this game if they were like, Oh, no, like, let's let this freshman quarterback go for it on fourth down and, and get into the end zone. But, no, you had to have known with 30 seconds, 37 seconds left that, one, a field goal wasn't going to cut it. And, two, why not give your guys those reps, situational, game-time reps, fourth down, 37 seconds left. Like, make it fun. Tell your guys, hey, we're obviously not going to win this game, Okay. Let's make the best of this, right? Let's reprogram our focus a little bit. And in our minds, you know, it's fourth and goal in a tie game of SEC championship next year, right? Here's the play we're going to run. Is it, is, it, is it crazy to, like, even imagine that a team would, would do what I just said and kind of just restructure your focus a little bit? I think that would be fun. If I'm the quarterback and my coach says that, like, hey – Here's, we're, we're not going to win this game. Here's what here's the situation we're going to draw up instead, and this is this is what I want you guys to think about when you go out there. Would that not be fun? Like, I, I feel like I'd be re-energized. Like, oh, hell yeah. Fourth and goal, baby. We're not going to run the Philly special like Jim Harbaugh. Because you're, you're, not, you're not Doug Peterson, right? 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 Anyway, backtrack. Um, I don't get it. I don't get it. But, you know, you got your three points, a billion apiary. Right? You didn't get shut out. Congratulations. Congre- congratulations. <sighs> I got nothing else to say about that game. Let's spin this wheel again. Here we go. Wait. Nope. Sorry. Got a tab over. All right. Here we go. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm not very good at making spinning sound effects. It's slowing down, slowing down, slowing down. Ah, fuck. The wheel wants me to talk about Alabama. I didn't choose this. This was random. The wheel is speaking to us, to me, to my listeners. Um, It wants me to talk about the All-State Sugar Bowl between Alabama and Kansas State. Uh, God, I really tried to avoid this. Like, they weren't even in the college football playoff. So if I wanted to talk about that, I didn't didn't want to talk about them. I just, whatever. I'm not even making sense now. I'm just so distraught that I have to talk about Alabama. Um, okay. But it was in the Caesar Superdome in New Orleans, Louisiana. Great, great stadium or dome, by the way. Loud as hell because it's inside. Um, and all the, I guess the way the seating, it, it's so loud. Like, I've never been to a football game that loud. And I've been to uh, some big college stadiums. No, I guess I shouldn't say it was louder than, definitely louder than Clemson. I still think LSU and Penn State are the loudest stadium. Beaver Stadium are the loudest stadiums ever been to. Um, but this place gets loud. I don't know how loud it was for this game um, on Saturday, but I'm sure it was loud. It gets loud in there. 
Um, spread was, it opened at four and a half. I think that's because uh, people were anticipating Alabama players not playing. And then there was nobody that opted out, which I'm going to get to more on that in a second. Um, so Alabama, the spread opened at four or four and a half. They were featured on Sad Girl Hour, so y'all should know. Um, and then by the time the game started, it was seven and a half points. And they destroyed it. Uh, 45 to 20, I believe, was the final score. I didn't write it down. Whatever. Um, but I, I, I think I'm going to circle back to this. Here's kind of a, some new spotlight on, on a topic I've already talked about. Um, Alabama didn't have any players that opted out. Okay? There's really only one other program that has that happen, and that's, and that's Clemson. Um, this was really, really good for Alabama football and college football as a whole, okay? It kills me to give Alabama all this credit. But when that spread first comes out, right, and you see four, four and a half points, whatever the hell it was, that spread was designed anticipating that Alabama would have so many opt-outs for the draft, so many opt-outs of guys that didn't want to play because Alabama is too good for a game like the Sugar Bowl that doesn't have national championship. uh, What am I trying to say? National championship things. Couldn't think of a better word. There's something on the tip of my tongue that I just couldn't get out, but things it is. Um, Alabama, one, came out and said, no game is above us, right, by all these guys playing. Well, I love that. I love that. Two, as much as people want to hate on Nick Saban, his quarterback, right, Potential first round, potentially first round, first overall pick. Played his last game uh, as a member of the University of Alabama in a game that was essentially, quote, meaningless, quote, some would say. It wasn't a college football playoff game. It was the Sugar Bowl against Kansas State. No playoff implications whatsoever. And he came out and played. As much as the world wants to hate on Nick Saban, this speaks volumes, volumes about the culture of that program. They do not, do not believe they're above any of this. They, all their guys played. All of their guys played. Florida, who barely squeaked into a bowl game, had a lot of their stars sit out. Alabama, who's in the playoff every year, first time in who knows how long they didn't get in, plays some bowl game that they really didn't want to, but all of their guys play. I I truly hope that every other team and everyone moving forward takes a look at this and, and takes, takes a page out of Nick Saban and Alabama's book. Yep, 
I said it. No player, and this is just my opinion, okay? There might be people that are shutting the podcast off at this point because they disagree. But in my opinion, no player is too big for any bowl game. I, and I understand. I know what's on the line if they do play. I get it. I get it. You want to go to the NFL. You want to play professional ball. You want to make money. And, of course, there are going to be probably those few super, super unfortunate circumstances where those guys who are going to go pro injure themselves in these games. I get it. I get it. I I just – I if it was me – I I want to go out there with my guys one more time, right? Like, and and not only did Alabama all opt in, they all they all played, right? Bryce Young was someone who had already dealt with injuries; that he had battled injuries earlier this year, but he still wanted to step in and play with his guys one last time for the University of Alabama. Hats off to him. Hats off to Alabama. Hats off to Nick Saban. I hate myself. I hate myself. Okay? I, I, I don't like that I feel this way, but I do. This is, this is huge for the sport. Huge. I hope every other player, every other team, takes a page out of this book. You're talking about a potentially number one overall pick playing in a meaningless bowl game. He obviously didn't think it was meaningless. As far as titles go, meaningless, yes. As far as getting an opportunity to play for the school that he loves, with the guys that he loves, with the coach that he loves, not meaningless. Way to go. Way to go. All right. Um, oh, God. All right, let's spin this thing. <sighs> that, that at least was a better, a better spin than the whatever the hell that first one was. Oregon State, Florida. All right, spinning. Uh, all right. Wasabi Fenway Bowl. Oh, jeez. Will's testing me. Um, Wasabi Fenway Bowl played between Louisville and Cincinnati. Oh, God, I really don't have much to say. Um, Cincinnati, rough year for them. Lost their coach, right? Didn't they move on? I don't even know. All I know is they were in the college football playoff last year and got their asses spunked by Alabama. Uh, okay, well, the fun thing about this was it was play, played at Fenway Park, obviously in Boston, if you didn't know, Big Green Monster, out in left field. Um... I do, I do love when football games are at baseball stadiums during bowl season. It's, it's kind of fun. I actually, a couple years back, 2015 maybe, yeah, it was 2015, or end of 2014 maybe, uh, went to the Pinstripe Bowl at Yankee Stadium to see uh, Penn State play Boston College. Really cool experience. I would never go to Yankee Stadium otherwise because I hate, I, I hate the Yankees. I mean, I... I guess maybe just to get the experience. But I don't like the Yankees, so I really don't know if I would have ever gone otherwise. To go there to watch my team win a football game was really cool. Um, and I just have a new newfound respect for, like, these stadiums that can kind of transform into something else. So, like, a baseball stadium that can transform into a, uh, a football field. They, they do uh, the Winter Classic outside. That was at 
I believe they also had a hockey game recently at Fenway, or there is one coming up. Um, but, you know, like Citizens Bank Park. What was the link? Hosted when the Flyers played. I don't remember. Anyway, I, I just think it's cool when, when, when they do that. Um, so this was played at Fenway. Football game at Fenway. Um, not many can say they've witnessed that. Um, I, I am, though, low-key mad that they don't go for, like, the, the old-school look. So, like, thinking of, like, the early thousand, early 2000s when uh, football and baseball teams shared a stadium and, like, the football game would be played on the baseball field and, like, they didn't do anything about the dirt on the baseball field. So, like, you'd be watching a guy running or whatever, and all of a sudden he'd be running across, like, the dirt of the baseball field that was now part of the football field. I'm sure guys didn't like that because – Hitting the dirt probably hurts a little bit more than hitting the grass or turf. Um, but, like, it just – it it was cool in its own weird way. Um, it, it just brings back some nostalgia to, like, those early Madden games too because, like, those were so detailed that, like, when you played on one of those baseball stadium fields, like, they had the field set up so that it looked like half baseball field because it was. Um I don't know. There's nothing exciting about this game, like, quite literally, other than that it was played at Fenway. Final score was Louisville 24, Cincinnati 7. Louisville killed the two-and-a-half point spread. Cincinnati, that was kind of like a Cinderella year last year. Might be, a, might be a minute until they get an opportunity like that again. But that's the way that, that goes sometimes, folks. All right, I am not spinning this damn wheel again. Um... Moving forward, moving ahead. This kind of concludes everything I had. Sad girl hours not happening. Fantasy studs. What an awful segment. It's it's dead. It's done. Um, so I just want to wrap it up with, again, circling back to DeMar Hamlin. I don't know what's going to happen in the NFL this week. There's a lot of good games, a lot of implications. I, I truly don't know if I, I, uh, I'll care until we kind of know what's going on with this guy and his family. And uh, I I mean, everyone's going to have to stick around and see what the league does, but I just want to give him and his family one final shout out. One of the boys podcast is with you. We're, we're thinking of you praying for you and, and really truly just, just hoping for, for some good news here soon. Um, Yeah. Well, this concludes another episode of One of the Boys. Uh, Thank you all for joining me, all four of you. Maybe I'll get lucky this time because, I don't know. I feel like this was a good episode. But maybe I'm biased. Anyway, um, I'm Coley Rudd. I'm here with my uh, dog, Harper the Big Girl. Actually, she went upstairs to bed or probably doing something she ain't supposed to. Um, But she is here. She's part of the podcast. Uh, We thank you for joining us. Please keep DeMar Hamlin in your prayers, your thoughts. Donate to his charity if you get around to it. I don't have any exact links I can give you, but just Google his charity. I'm sure it'll come right up. Um, yeah, glad you're here. Tune in next week. Thanks. <laughs>